That means it's time for another rookie extravaganza show. I know we did one last week, but uh, we got a little long-winded, so me and uh, Mr. Sir William Servey decided to get together again this week and do our wide receivers a little more justice because, let's face it, they're they're the real thoroughbreds of the draft, right, Bill? This is this is who we this is who we want. This is who's going to make or break our dynasty uh, drafts this summer, right? Our rookie drafts. Yeah, the way the NFL is evolving, it looks like you know it's it's definitely turning into a heavy emphasis on the passing game, and a lot of the running backs have shortened careers. So in these dynasty leagues, um, you know the receivers tend to go a lot sooner than some of the more balanced leagues. But um, definitely, the receivers are the studs in the draft um, as far as DFW goes. Some of these websites or some of the leagues that we run here have some of the biggest wide receiver heavy drafts that you'll ever see. Mm-hmm. You know, when we, we looked at last year's class and all year long during this NFL season, we're like, this is not going to be top. This wide receiver class is just amazing. You know, three guys over a thousand yards, uh, Wat, Sammy Watkins, just under a thousand yards. Um, and, uh, I think, uh, it was, uh, Matt Brown, one of the content directors over at SB nation said to me a couple months ago, he goes, well, you know what? I think this, this class might actually be better. He said, I don't, I don't know if, Anybody else is saying that, but and I and and I kind of like maybe soft at him, but I, you know, the more I watch film on these guys, I I, I don't know. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be uh, interesting to see how it all works out. It'll be fun to fun to watch, and maybe maybe we'll continue to see this with wide receiver classes the way the NFL is going. Uh, yeah. But anyway, like I said, uh, this is uh this is our wide receiver showcase show. I am Joshua Johnson, the normal host of the D. DFW Dynasty Pulse, which is heard every Wednesday here on Blog Talk Radio at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we'll be having a show tomorrow doing our wrapping up our uh, division series as we do the NFC East. And I know uh, my co-host Nick Hale to the Redskins. Wagner is, uh, he's, he's he's not very optimistic about his risk. But we got a Redskins reporter coming on. Maybe she can change our minds. But anyway, we're here to focus. Um, and, and in case you don't know my co-host, I call him Sir William Servey. It's just something something I, I, I've i knighted him. And I, I don't know if anybody else agrees with it or disagrees with it, but if you know, if you had any idea what Bill does behind the scenes for DFW, you understand that he deserves to be knighted. Not only does he is he in charge of content, he also has a spreadsheet for me that he updates for me every week, some guidelines that we do on our Dynasty poll. So, Bill, you – I mean – we call our show the Pulse, but you might be the Pulse of DFW. So that's that's why you are Sir William Serving. Well, thanks, Josh. I appreciate the knighthood, but it's a team effort, and all of you guys, everybody at the site works so hard behind the scenes, and it's really a great team effort to get the information out to everyone. And we're real excited about the launch of our insider content and hope that our members are as well. Yes, yeah, we'll we'll hear more about that on the podcast tomorrow. I'm sure Dan will fill everybody in on kind of the happenings of this weekend as we've as we go premium. Um, but since we're talking about college prospects, Bill, let's just uh let's just take a second here, maybe maybe a minute to get our to get our head straight and get into get into the college mood. All right, you ready for this?
right. was the uh, F- Florida State fight song, Mr. Sir William Servey's alma mater. Um, I was putting my war paint on, Bill. I don't know about you, but that's what I was doing during that. So. Uh, let's get going to our wide receivers. Um, if you listened to our rookie extravaganza last week, um, which was there was many of you that listened to you, and we thank you for doing that, we only got to briefly mention our top ten wide receivers. So we're so, but me and Bill did reveal our top ten. So instead of working our way back, we're going to work our, start at the top. So Bill, who do you have as your number one ranked wide receiver right now? Well, um, that's gone back and forth over the last couple of weeks, but for about ten days now straight, I've got Kevin White at the top. Um, again, I, I, Mike Mayock is one of my favorite people to listen to. I think he sums it up perfectly with White. I think he has the highest ceiling in the draft class. Um, don't think he's as polished as Cooper, um, but I just really like the way um, White plays. I mean, he's angry. He's got an angry my ball attitude when the ball's in the air. He runs angry after the catch. Um, he's just got so many traits that you can just see as a true number one receiver in the NFL. I think his biggest hindrance is probably going to be where he's drafted um, because, you know, the number of targets and the quality of the targets I think will have quite a bit to do with just how successful he is this first year. I know you're a huge Raider fan, but if he ends up on the Raiders, he might not see as many targets in that offense or be able to exploit some of the deep ball that I think he's pretty much um, able to catch on a regular basis. So a little bit worried about his draft position Teams let more of the pundits are going towards Kevin White with the overall four picks. So I really think he's the top receiver in the class. Okay. Well, obviously with the addition of Crabtree, people think the Raiders might not do that in the first round. And I think that just opens it up for a little more flexibility, see who's available and see who they really want and, you know, see how, see what, what available. I think, I think they really want to take Leonard Williams. So I mean that's a, obviously a different a different position for a different story a different day but uh, I think that's kind of their feeling they're getting there and you know you look at the second round guys like we're going to get into later like Sammy Coates I think would be a nice fit I've even seen some mocks where uh, DGB slips so I know I'm not huge on him but I, I'd be willing to give him a shot and I and I think if if Oakland was to add a guy like White or Cooper I think they would step in and be that deep threat I think um, you know Andre Holmes and Rod Streeter I just kind of insurance at this point they're yeah they're not they're not real really people that i'm certainly certainly high on uh but yeah the addition of craft gives Oakland a little bit of flexibility but anyway my number one but i think is that would be amari cooper. just if i could real quick josh i think that would be a mistake yeah. to pass on kevin white or amari cooper i'm as big a proponent of uh, michael crabtree as there is i mean i really think that he could uh, be a functioning wide receiver. Again, he's lost a lot of his polish since the Achilles injury. He doesn't have the explosion that he used to, but I don't think that he's a number one wide receiver in this league. I think he's a nice complement to a true number one. So I think that Al Davis would roll over and grave if they pass on a 4 3 5 3 wide receiver. So I still think they're going to go, but I certainly can understand what you're saying. But there is depth in this wide receiver class, and even in the second, third rounds, there'll be quality guys with upside that they can use for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, let's face it. You know, if Leonard Williams was to slip to Oakland at four, I think that'd be that'd be sure of a miracle. So, uh, uh, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. But um, yeah, yeah, it's it's the speed thing. You really you really like that about uh, about White. I actually have White at my number two, so I'm going to go with my number one, and then I'll roll into two since we since we've already brought White up here. Uh, my number one is Cooper. Um, I think he's possibly the next Marvin Harrison, um, given. Given that he has a nice, given he's paired with a nice quality quarterback, um, 
is Derek Carr that guy? I, I would be certainly be willing to give it a chance. And you know, we talked about draft position with him with and White. You know, and I know Oakland isn't necessarily the best offense to be in right now, but it is a young emerging offense. And uh, I would certainly, as a fantasy owner, would rather have Cooper or White on Oakland as opposed to let's say Kansas City or Cleveland. Um, but uh, <laughs> argue there. He, yeah, he's. You know, he's already been dominant, and we've seen him be dominant in, a, in an elite conference in Cooper in, in the SEC. Um, and I think he's really – it just sounds, sounds weird, but I think he really appreciates what it takes to get to the, to get to the top. He, you know, he – I've seen some, read some interviews with him and heard him talk about, you know, kind of the back and forth and the struggles he had with Coach Saban early on in his career. And Saban, you know, said, well, you're just not going to play if you're not going to make these right decisions. And I, so I think he's really, really taken a nice mature step under uh, under Saban's tutelage there in Alabama. And I think he's going to be, you know, really emotionally ready to, to make that step. I think he is the safer pick over White. So I, 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 I like what you say about, about White and the fact that, you know, he's he plays a little bit angry, but I think that could also get him into some trouble. Um, back to Cooper, though. He, he's not as sexy as White. I don't think he's even as sexy as uh, as Devontae Parker. I think Devontae Parker has that nice flexibility factor, and he's a little bit bigger than Cooper. But uh, And while, you know, while Cooper projects to be very solid, his value is safe. He's not – he might not be the best wide receiver in the long run, but I think he might be the best – wide receiver of these rookies next year and maybe the year after that. You know, maybe one of these guys down the road overtakes it. But obviously, you know, a lot of that depends on draft position. So, uh, like I said, Kevin White, he's my number two. I have him compared to Odell Beckham and Jordan Matthews. Um, You know, White only has the one year at West Virginia where, you know, my big knock on White is where was Kevin White last year at this time, you know, or after the draft or when people were talking about the best wide receivers in this draft last summer. We just didn't know who Kevin White was. So there's not a lot of background there. Um, but his ascent was pretty fast. Um, and, and, you know, he's also maybe not a handsome man either. So I'm just going to put that out there on Kevin White. But anyway, the things I like about Kevin White is I think that he, he brings – a lot of that same kind of aggression that you see out of the Jordan Matthews and the Odell Beckham. And he, and he, he can do those acrobatic things too. I, I've been really impressed with what I've seen on film from him. And, you know, again, it's all about pairing and what kind of offense he gets into, but he does everything fast. He's, he does has exceptional concentration, especially on balls and track, which I really, really like about Kevin White. So uh, Bill, I'm assuming you have Cooper number two. Yeah, I sure did. And you made a lot of good points on both players. Um, Kevin White, again, like Mayak had said, Kevin White has the highest ceiling, but Mayak also says that Cooper has the highest floor, and that's exactly what you had said. Um, you know, he's obviously the most polished run, uh, receiver in this draft. He really just he has can do beat you just a bunch of different ways, easily get separation with his quickness. He works hard to get open. Um, he's really good at coming back to the ball. He's a great chain mover, and I think if he did end up in Oakland, I think that would be a nice match as a nice safety target. Uh, for, uh, you know, checkdowns for Derek Carr. Um, but honestly, I think that, you know, another landing spot for him could be Chicago um, to play alongside Alshon Jeffrey. Not sure about their quarterback situation, but I think Cooper could um, be, a, you know, a, a, in a team like that, it could also be an attractive um, position where he could actually vault over Kevin White. Just really worried about the landing spot of these two players because I think after the draft, I think a lot of these wide receivers are going to change after the draft because there's several teams that have key positions that are open and the lucky receiver that gets drafted 
um, we'll have huge opportunity. Um, but I, I'm a little bit concerned about Brett Cooper. There's a couple of little negatives. It's really hard to find negatives in this game. Um, you know, his route tree was not completely, you know, I would say polished. He doesn't run a huge variety of routes at Alabama, a lot of nine routes. Um, he dropped a lot of more passes, and I like to see from a top prospect as well. And he's a work in progress in the running game. But, again, just the minor details on Amari Cooper. But easily, again, like you had said before, this draft class not only has quality at the top, but it has depth throughout. And I don't think it's quite on the same par as the draft class last year because some of the guys that have not even broke out yet will play this year, and you'll see a lot more of them, guys like Cody Latimer and a few of the others. But um, I think this draft class has really good depth all the way through it. But, um, you know, Cooper and White, just see him, Parker, for that matter, seem to be almost not sure things because there's no such thing that I would say have, you know, really good chances of becoming successful fantasy and NFL football players. Okay. Why don't you roll right into your number three there, Bill? <laughs> I didn't mean to. Sorry. I, I like Parker. In fact, excuse me, the more I watch of him, the more I like him. Really think that he could end up in Minnesota. I think that would be unbelievable to see Teddy Bridgewater and him reunite. I'm a Charles Johnson fan, so it would kind of be a little bit of a bummer, but I really think he would be a great match in Minnesota to reunite with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, he's been all over my draft board, like I said. He's been my number four. He's been my number three. Um, he's pretty much settled in at number three for the last couple weeks now. Love his wingspan, huge size, great catch radius, fantastic leaper, soft hands. Um, he consistently high points the ball, wins contested catches. He's got amazing body control. He's a really reliable catcher with very few drops. Um, he does have a couple of little, you know, nitpicky things. <clears throat> he needs to add about 10 pounds to his frame, in my opinion. I think that's a, <laughs> his size is a concern. His frame surely could hold the weight. I just don't want him to lose any of his speed. Um, and he might struggle against larger physical cornerbacks in press coverage. Um, he's not a great run blocker, again, and he shows little technique and tenacity for run blocking. But, again, these are things that coaches will get into him and, and refine his, you know, the minor points that need it. But, I think he really has a, a ceiling as a true number one receiver in the NFL. And, you know, I think he's definitely a top four pick or three or four pick in the draft. Rookie draft for Dynasty Leagues. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I have Parker in my number three, too. Um, you know, he looks – I think he looks actually stronger than he is. He's obviously – obviously does some work in the weight room, and he, he maybe needs to get a little more physical. Um, you know, and I, I maybe need to go back and watch film with him with Bridgewater or last year because, you know, he was injured much of this year. Um, but he still put up amazing numbers considering he, I, I mean, he, I think he missed like the first five or six games or something like that. And he still put up some awesome numbers there in Louisville. And that was without Bridgewater. So that's, that's, that's the thing that really intrigues me about Parker. Um, I, you know, I think he looks the part six, three, two, ten, four, four, you know, four, four, 40 guy. Um, kind of a handsome kid too um but but i think he's, he's equally as sexy on the field i mean i just i love like i said the flexibility the long arms he just uses his frame well um you know he impressed me a lot i guess actually against your florida state seminoles their build too yeah. how he was able to yeah. use his body to get to the balls you know over over williams and darby there just kind of you know use that to his advantage uh you know he's going to face a lot more physical people um in the nfl and and we'll we'll see how that how he makes that adjustment and uh what you know obviously it depends on the receiving core that he's in too um you know one like a couple guys we're going to talk about later that that really 
really surprised uh, surprised me um, the way they played against the physical corner. If you want to see somebody play against the physical corner, look up uh, Stephen Nelson from Oregon State. I know we're getting off position here, but this guy is five nine, maybe a buck eighty, and he is as physical as they come. He's going to probably be like a second or third round pick, and I absolutely love this kid. But watching him against Jalen Strong made Jalen Strong drop about four notches on my top ten. If that makes me, if that makes makes any sense to you why, why wow, that's, a big, um, that's a big yeah. size miss, just a differential there against strong i'll have to check yeah. that tape out yeah definitely there's also strong versus marcus peters who's not only as physical as he is chatty so. uh, but my knocks on parker he's going to need to get more physical especially at the point of attack um uh, and he certainly has ups, but his time, he doesn't necessarily time them very accurately. You know, he, he uses his frame well, but I think he maybe could use some work on his on his, on his his lead balls, especially if we want, you know, for our fancy guys, if we want him scoring those touchdowns in the red zone, he needs to get a little bit better on the way he times that thing. And I'm sure that's going to all come with, with the quarterback, and I'm sure there'd be a nice comfortableness there with, uh, with uh, Bridgewater, obviously, in Minnesota. How about you, Mike? Wide receivers do the Vikings need, Bill? Don't they already have like five or six, and people are putting, having them drafted one of these guys in the first round? I mean, um, no, yeah. well, North Turner likes his John, big vertical receiver, so I mean, honestly, I, I I could see at the 11 spot there they have a lot of team needs, but honestly, I mean, I, as much as I really like Charles Johnson, I I don't think he's really going to be the answer. I was really big on him when Green Bay drafted him, and then he hurt his knee and then ended up going through a few different teams. I think if he was given the opportunity, he'd be adequate, but I really think Devontae Parker has a chance to be A.J. Green-like in a special field stretcher and making big plays downfield like North Turner loves. So I, I can understand if they passed on him, um, but you know, having that rapport from college with Teddy Bridgewater, um, who I think is really you know going to develop into a solid quarterback. I think it would just be a, a real nice addition to the team. But like we said, there's a lot of needs on the team, and I could see them going a different way or trying to get another receiver late. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty crowded there. But still, I think they need that true number one receiver, that uh, big, tall, like Vincent Jackson. And I just think that's what North Turner really likes to exploit defenses with. Well, and I have an admin on the Dynasty Pulse about Mike Wallace not being a number one wide receiver. You know, he signed the money yeah. of a number one to go to Miami. Uh, and, um, you know, he's just a speed. He's a speed guy. He's a guy that's going to create separation. He's, gonna, he's he's the deep threat. If you get a guy like Parker that's going to go over the middle, um, you know, I'd love to see Parker get, I mean, obviously not not balloon, but if he could get some size on him, like, like an Anquan Bolden, I think he'd be he'd be really dangerous. But <laughs> and more maybe that's more. Yeah, and and to truly to truly to, to sum up Parker here to to truly to truly tell you how much I like the guy. I'm, my player comparisons I wrote down for him were uh, Tim Brown, who if you know me, I'm a Raiders fan. I don't compare anybody to Tim Brown. I think Tim Tim Brown is like my ult, ultimate hero as far as a Raiders fans go. And my ultimate fantasy hero, the other comparison I have for him, and that's Reggie Wade. Uh, me, and, me and Reggie have won a lot of money together over the years. We'll just put it that way. And I think Parker certainly has those, those types of capabilities. Um, moving on to number four, I have Rashad Perryman, who I also compared to Jordan Matthews and Anquan Bolden. Um, I think he is faster than both of these guys. Obviously, the, the, the four – Three speed, the agility. Um, he's got the size, you know. Uh, just 
he's checking all the boxes pretty much. I think he is a bloody number one wide receiver for years to come. He's going to make others look good. He's going to bail out quarterbacks on underthrows with his long frame. Um, he requires a head of steam if you want to tackle him. And he's a, his, he has a stellar, and I know you, will, you like Perryman too, Bill, but he has this weird like stutter step. That then he mixes it with like this speed burst, and it is just so deadly. You see it when he has the ball, and it's like all of a sudden he's had the ball in traffic, and he does this, and all of a sudden he, he's wide open field. He just creates such great separation with that with that weird little stutter step. You know what I'm talking about, Bill? Yeah, I think I know the little hits you're talking about, and he sets the DBs up for it. And yeah, he does have these really explosive, really quick. I'm a huge pyramid fan. I live here in Orlando, and I get to see UCF on a regular basis. In fact, starting in January, I actually was writing a letter every single day to Drew Rosenhaus, Perriman's agent, trying to get an interview with him because I really knew that Perriman wasn't going to be in the combine, and I really had a funny feeling that once he got to his pro day, he was going to blow up just like he did. But I've been driving the Perriman train for quite some time. Back in January is when I started writing Rosenhaus. Okay, yeah. A couple things I don't like about Perryman, and, and I think he might – I think it actually might take – and it's just one year, so it's obviously your dynasty guy. It's going to be okay. But I think it might take half of a season for him to really explode and get acclimated. I think I think he's a smart kid. And he's a patient kid, and he's going to really really work to hone his craft. But I think he's it might it might just take him a half a season to get his to get his feet wet there and get really get going. Um, I think his routes could be a little crisper. You know, with oh, yeah. with the speed, he I think he does overrun things just a little bit. Um, and his his fearlessness over the middle might might get him into trouble with you know with guys like uh, Merriweather and DJ Swearinger taking taking heads off people in the middle. I think that just that might get him into trouble in the NFL. So what, who is your number four, Bill? Uh, my number four has been going back and forth between Perriman and Doriel Green Beckham. I've got Beckham at number four right now. Um, my philosophy on fantasy football is a little more aggressive. I'm often, to my own fault, willing to give people passes for serious character flaws um, when the talent is this abnormal. And to be honest with you, his talent just is just raw freakish a freakish ability. So it's really blinding me to his risk. He's six five, two thirty seven, runs sub four five. Um, you know, he can create separation with his size. He's got a huge wingspan. He's got great body control. He tracks the ball well in the air. Um, he's got really a special ability to high point the ball and good physical control to make big plays on jump balls where he goes up and gets it. I think those are huge factors that you must have to be born with that type of mentality and ability. I think he does. But obviously the character concerns are huge with him. Um, you know, I don't know just how that's going to translate if he goes to a team with a strong program. A mentoring program like they kind of did with Des Bryant to try to keep him on the straight and narrow. I think it could go a long way. If he goes to a weak coach who's not able to keep a lot of pressure and life structure around him, he could self-destruct. So I think his final resting point on my rankings will be greatly determined by where he lands, like many. Where where would be your ultimate spot for him? And don't say uh, No, that's a good <laughs> question. I'm, I have forever been a you know, I'm not a New England Patriots fan, but I just think that Brady has not had his moss for some time, and I know he's been making do with whatever's been given to him, but I would just love to see a true number one burner on the outside uh, for the Patriots. I think if he was a weapon at Brady's disposal, it would be a fun last couple of years of his career. 
and I really believe that, um, you know, obviously the coaching staff is really strong. I don't think he'd fall off track at all, but that'll never happen with, you know, their guidelines. Yeah, I don't know about that. I'm going to, I'm going to, very, very humbly disagree with you. I do, I do respect your opinion on a lot of things, but I think that that marriage, DGB and Belichick, I think that could not, not potentially be a good, a good pairing. Uh, I mean, it could be perfect, or it could be, it could just be a, a complete mess. So I don't, I don't know about that. But uh, he does have Brandon LaFell, who gets absolutely no love. I don't get that. But uh, he's not Randy Moss, but he's he's all right. Anyway, what? Uh, so you have Perryman five, Bill. Why don't you, why don't you give us your, your digs on Perryman? Uh, Perryman, well, again, with the Doyle Green Beckham, going back to that, obviously he needs a strong coach. So he needs someone who's going to butt heads with him. If he gets a weak coach that allows him to do what he wants to, he's going to run all over him. But uh, my number five is Prashad Perryman. You already talked about him. I really like the kid. Obviously, he checks all the boxes, like you said. Um, there are a couple of glares with his um, his – his game, you already touched on him. Most importantly is his route running. He is extremely sloppy. He doesn't give a consistent effort on a regular basis. Um, so that's something he's definitely going to have to learn a pro mentality and work ethic. Um, and his hands are not as consistent as you want. I see a lot of double catches when I watch games. I've watched pretty much almost the game every week for them. And uh, too many drops, too many concentration drops. So, you know, he's going to, none of these kids are perfect coming out of school, but you know, he's got the raw athletic ability again, you know, to be listed in these top five receivers that all have a real solid chance of, um, you know, going into the NFL and having a higher than normal rate of success. And, again, like you had mentioned, he's definitely going to be more of a project uh, like Green Beckham and some of the other receivers that haven't run an extensive route tree and need to polish their routes and learn how to set up cornerbacks for their breaks and whatnot. So, um, you know, he's going to be a work in progress. He definitely has the raw physical talent to be a number one in the NFL, though. Um, and, you know, where he goes, I think, again, he could beat a dead horse. But a lot of these kids could, you know, have tragic draft days and end up in programs that don't support their talent or, you know, don't have the quarterbacks to get him the ball. So hopefully he lands in a good spot because I like his upside. Yeah, they could end up in Kansas City, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no disrespect to uh, the Kansas City fans. They're the greatest in the world. But, man, that just is a tough situation. How do you go through a whole season and not throw a touchdown to your, <laughs> one of your wide receivers? I mean, I, I, I uh, just blows my mind. My mind. Yeah. Yes, so I, I, I know. I agree. I agree. I just uh, does it does it does it hurt even worse that the time that you lost to Oakland on that fateful Thursday night that it was a touchdown pass to a wide receiver that lost. <laughs> but anyway, oh, I know too many. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, since we're halfway through, Bill, and we're doing great on time, by the way. Um, what are your thoughts? And this is a question I'm going to pose to some people at our pre-draft show next Wednesday. How, if you had to guess a number, how many wide receivers you think are going to go in the first round? Let's say I'm going to set the number, the over under at five. Okay, so the under over is five. I could easily see White, Cooper, Parker. Um, I don't know about Green Beckham. I think that he's going to slide because of that. Perriman, I could see happening, and I could see strong. So, God, that's, you hit the number right on the head. I'm going to, if I have to guess, I'm going to say over five. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people uh, bid, get Perryman to, like, Seattle there at the end of the draft there, end of the first round. That would be an interesting spot. Maybe not the best for his fantasy numbers, but, I mean, maybe they could utilize him in a good way. Uh, yeah, I think I think five is 
it's yeah, I think that's what over under should be. I don't know if it's gonna be more or less than that. I'd be surprised Absolutely. we'll put it that way. Uh so my number five is Tyler Lockett. Um again, I, you know, I got Dan speaking in my ear a little bit here, but uh I, I you just need to watch the film on this guy if you if you doubt him. Um just such a polished product. You know, if he was if he was six one like Amari Cooper, I don't think I don't think anybody would be doubting him at all. Excellent route runner. Uh, produced a hundred receptions with a spot with spotty quarterback play last year. Uh, uses his speed well and at appropriate times. Uh, he turns into a running back when he gets the ball like on a screen or a short dump off. I mean, you know, a lot of wide receivers they kind of try to stay upright and slip through slip through tackles. This guy just looks like a beast when he gets the ball, and maybe some of that comes with the fact that he was able to. To do do some great things uh, in in the return game too, but uh, uh, uses vision well and agility with ease uh, and explodes in the open space. Um, couple knocks on him. Um, his size is probably going to devalue his draft position. I know that's not fair, but but it is. Um, and I think he maybe needs to be a little bit more creative. You know, he's such a great route runner, Bill, but I feel like he he does what he's supposed to do, but you know, he runs the route precisely. But if the quarterback's in trouble, he maybe needs to to you know peel back, do something to bail him out, or come back just a little bit. He needs to get maybe a little bit more creative there to give his quarterback some some better options. And the the player comparisons I have with him um, are Derek Mason and Chris Carter. I think that's a nice. I think he could be better than Mason, but not quite as good as Chris Carter. So who do you have for number five? Um, number five, I have, oh, or number sorry. six, I have, yeah, number yeah, six, go I've got, let me scroll up, is Jalen Strong from Arizona State. I had him moving around, but uh, Jalen Strong is my number six. Um, again, I'll talk about this more in a minute when we get to seven, but size is a huge factor for me when I draft for fantasy. Again, it's not for the NFL, it's for fantasy. Um, but Jalen Strong, just another guy, six foot two, 217, 42-inch vertical, um, he can line up all over the formation. He's got experience playing from the slot. He's got really strong hands, uh, tracks the ball well, consistently, again, wins those contested catches. Um, he's a good – he runs angry after the catch, so he's a really good runner after the catch as well. His run running is average at this point like many of these, but I think he'll be a quality red zone threat. Um, he's a former basketball player, so he's kind of still learning the position, and he needs to work on his routes to gain separation at the next level. But um, and I think he's probably going to struggle to gain separation from faster, quick-twitch NFL corners as well. Um, but, you know, his physical game, I'll have to check out that one tape where a 5-9 uh, corner, you said, shut him down. But I think Strong is going to have a lot of different uh, – offer a team quite a bit of different varieties of ways to use him. So I've got Strong ranked as my number six. Okay, well, I also have strong six. Um, you know, I have, I have three player comparisons written up. Uh, Terrence Williams, the, the second-year man down there in Dallas, and Martavius Bryant, who two guys I really, really like. Um, have both of them on a dynasty team, as a matter of fact. But I really see, when I first started watching film in this guy, I really saw some some Randy Moss capabilities. Just kind of that ability to kind of float and get that ball in the air. Um, but like I said, watching watching him against Steven Nelson really, really, really deterred me a little bit. You know, he is slick and smooth. He, he's he got that – he's very gifted with that leap, 42-inch vert. Um, he knows how and when to accelerate and can be slippery on screen plays. Um, he, he could be really good in the red zone. He's going to use – that if he knows how to use that, that height, 
and jumping ability properly could be really, really awesome in the red zone, which obviously is a ding-ding for all our fantasy owners. You know, um, Some things that I don't like about him. Often plays down to competition. Now, this guy played at junior college and dominated, and it seemed like even like in some of some of the lesser opponents in the Pac-12, I feel like I could see a little bit more of an effort from him because he he felt like, well, I'm going to beat this guy anyway, so I didn't really need to give it to give it my all, and uh, so I just I didn't didn't like that at all about him. Um, needs needs to catch more effectively with his hands. I don't know if you noticed that too, Bill, but I feel like a lot of the times he's letting that ball come into his body. You know, he's not going to – he's going to have to go up in the NFL and fight for some balls and really snatch them with his hands. And I and I didn't see a whole lot of that in the game film. Um, he he needs to use his – he uses his body even when it's not needed. Um, he needs to – he needs to use it more. I think he needs to use his size and strength just a little bit more. Um, I think he can get outworked by aggressive DBs, like I said with Steven Nelson, and he's uh, disinterested. Um, and just so you know, the specs and Steven Nelson officially are 5'10", 197. So I was maybe underselling the, underselling the short guy there, but Steven Nelson at Oregon State, still love him, very physical. Um, but, yeah, and the big thing, too, with Strong, like I said to Beckham last week, disinterested in blocking, and that's not going to not gonna fly on an NFL squad there. So any, any other thoughts there about Strong or what I said? No, that's pretty much it. A lot of the negatives right on the head. I mean, he's definitely a work in progress. And I'm really concerned more, you know, about getting separation at the next level from, you know, corners that have a lot more ability. And, again, you said his basically his dedication and his um, – he doesn't really give it 100% on every single play, and that's going to be something that he's going to have to be coached. But, again, the physical talent is there, and that's what we base these guys on coming out of school. So hopefully he'll land in a good spot where he gets a good opportunity and some good coaches to help him refine the finer points. And he's going to really need to learn how to be more aggressive blocking. That's one of my big pet peeves. Yeah, yeah. So who you got there for number seven, Bill? Uh, Number seven, this is the point where I have to read a little disclaimer because, again, for fantasy football, it's different than the NFL. Um, There's a lot of smaller guys in this draft. One of them you already mentioned, Lockett. Um, But automatically, you know, I, I know that there's been a trend for these wide receivers in the NFL to perform, but if you take a look at each one of those individual situations, it's either a scheme a situation where somebody like Randall Cobb is able to exploit, or it's a situation where you've got AB without another physical wide receiver. You've got Bryant. I'm really curious to see how the targets break out this year, but I'm really not interested in smaller slot receivers. For every you know 20 Tavon Austins, there's going to be one AB or Hilton. So. I greatly discount Aguilar, Dorsett, Lockett, and some of the smaller slot guys. So with that in mind, um, I am willing to look past those guys because I don't want a a receiver that's going to be pigeon-toed by a low ceiling uh, because they're going to be limited on snaps to three wide receiver sets. I don't see anyone in this draft that's big enough to play on the outside of those smaller wide receivers. And although guys like Dorsett and Aguilar are so polished and they really could contribute right away. I just don't see them being able to play on the outside um, and being able to you know, see 100-plus targets in the season. Um, so I think their ceilings are really limited. So with that in mind, I am always willing to take a swing at some of the bigger wide receivers, especially later on in the draft, um, you know, second, late second, early third rounds in these dynasty drafts, 
and take shots at receivers who I think have a lot of physical ability but might have been overlooked but have that potential to play on the outside and to be a number one or number two receiver for their team and really be a, a startable wide receiver for your fantasy roster. So I'd rather swing and miss than hit on a more reliable, smaller slot receiver. So with that said, um, Chris Conley from Georgia stays at number seven for me. Um, I'm all on by myself on this. You know, Mayock and Cosell, two of my favorite guys to uh, refer to, um, you know, who I respect their opinion so much, they just completely have overlooked him. I've done a lot of study on Conley. Everything I've seen just tells me that he's got all the skills that you need to succeed in the NFL. He's got size, 6'2", 213, runs a blazing 4.35, an insane vertical leap. He was the workout warrior of the draft. Um, he really understands route running, route stemming concepts, and knows how to make defenders take false steps and make false hit movements. Um, he understands zone coverage. He displays the ability to sit in the open area. He's an amazing athlete. Um, he transfers over to his body control. He tracks the ball really well. He's got great sideline awareness. He's got above-average strong hands. Um, and if you haven't seen the catch, I know I talked about this last show, but people need to go back to 2013 and look at the catch where he made against Tennessee in the end zone. And honestly, it's better than Odell Beckham's catch last year. There's no doubt about it in my mind. The body control that's involved is just absolutely amazing. Um, and the physical skills can't be taught. And his above-average, you know, a lot of people knock him for his lack of burst in these drills, the short uh, speed drills. But, again, there's lots of receivers that have been successful in the NFL that understand stemming concepts and route running. And if you set the DBs up, you can create separation with your route running. So I'm really big on Conley. I'm going to stay in my top ten regardless. If he lands in a uh, good position like Philadelphia, I mean, honestly, because it would be a late-round pick. Or if he even ends in a team that has a really good passing game, I think Chris Conley could be one of the guys that really surprises people because and where he was called on to do at Georgia, a big-time run-first football team, um, you know, he wasn't really looking to get there. Production isn't there. You won't see huge numbers for him. But if you look at the plays that he makes, um, I did an article with DFW on him. Just take a look at some of the plays. That are so and he's a... He's a, I just think uh, just being overlooked just because of the fact that he, you know, played it in a run-first system at his power. So I'm going to stay with him and deliver guy by his ranking. But, again, I'd rather swing away and fail than take a spot receiver with this, at this point in the draft. Yeah, very good point, Thorne Conley. I, I had him in my top ten. I bumped him. For for various reasons, and there and there's there's one guy in particular that I absolutely love that I just had to have in my top ten, and we'll get to him later. But uh, yeah, like you said, freak, physical freak, and I think you know maybe in maybe some of the people's knocks on him where whereas he comes from that run first offense, maybe they don't think he's going to be ready for that. The size of an NFL you know passing playbook, and not not sure what what he can give. I mean, is his, do you think his route running is there? Do you think he, do you think he understands, he's going to be able to understand everything at the next level though? I do. I think he's, if you watch his, his tape and if you look at the article that I wrote at DFW, you can see him understanding the stemming concepts of route running. He gets right up on the quarterback's toes almost immediately. He has deceptive speed. I don't know if they're just playing off seven, eight yards because they're so respective of his deep speed, but he gets on the corner's toes real quick. And if you look at the plays that I broke down, he gets the corners turning. One of them actually made a 360 pirouette on a double move that, you know, the poor DB didn't have a, a single clue where he was going. So he really does show advanced um, route running concepts 
steps. And I think if he goes to another team that, you know, use, can utilize that and has a strong coaching system, I think, you know, he's going to surprise some people um, because everything is there on film. It's just he doesn't have that production that reaches out and grabs you. If I could, I would love to talk to Cosell and Mayock and ask them straight up what they think about them, why they're not mentioned or why he's getting so little love because, you know, when I watch this kid on film, he stands out. He makes plays all over the field. He catches with great body control on the sidelines. Diving catches for him and freakish 360 pirouettes for catches, tracks the wall over the shoulder. They're commonplace for him. Um, and although he didn't have a lot of those plays in college because of the offense that they ran, when he was called on, he was a team leader and made the big plays when the team needed him. So uh, I, he does have some, you know, concerns. He's going to have problems, you know, against the real physical quick twitch corners. He's going to really have to have, um, you know, to run his routes are really going to have to be advanced to try to create separation. Um, and his burst is not elite. His three-cone drill, his 60-yard and his 20-yard, they're all below average. So, again, I'm more of the overall package, and I'm willing to overlook those and take a gamble on uh, receivers that you can usually get at the end of the second, early third round in dynasty drafts. So I just think he's a great prospect, and I would love to take a swing on him. And even if I fail, I feel like I, I made a good decision. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, don't you maybe think you're talking about him way too much? I mean, do you think you're going to even get him in drafts now, now that everybody knows you like him? <laughs> well, he, he used to be able to get him in the late third or sometimes, you know, but now he's, you know, I have to take him in the second, late second if I want to get him on my team, which, you know, again, I hate these mock drafts because in reality you really wouldn't take these players. There are a lot of these times, you know, you'd be moving around in your dynasty league realizing what's available at the board and trying to improve your position or trade down to try to get extra picks so that you take the player at the appropriate spot. But, yeah, it's getting harder and harder to get him and, uh, it, it's awkward, but you know what? I, if more people take him, and if he pans out, I hope he does for everyone that takes him because, honestly, I just see a lot of positives there. And the negatives, you know, I, I understand what they're talking about, but, again, I just see so much talent when I watch him on film, and I just think that that's going to translate in the NFL. Okay. Well, and between two of my dynasty teams, I have the entire Jets <laughs> receiving core. So oh. I need some receivers, Bill. We'll put it down. <laughs> <laughs> we need a quarterback for the chances, uh, which you, hopefully they'll square that away. Yeah. Because yeah. receivers right, are hopefully for the seven, Yeah. My, my number seven is Doral Green Beckham. I kind of said my piece about him last week, but I'll just I'll go over it briefly again. 6'5", 237, 4'5", speed. You know, it's not 4'4", four four, but, I mean, it's not like he's slow. Um He's he's a very elusive with nice long strides that help him break away. Uh, can be very a very creative mismatch if you if you move him around, and I think you're going to see a lot of that, especially early on in his career. Needs more upper body strength. Does um, does not look his size. Needs to use that size more. Needs to be better blocking downfield. Not not as physical enough. You know, off field concerns are certainly concerning. Uh, you know, I said last week I, he needs to. You're 6'5", 237. I need to see you hitting safeties in the chest. I think you need to – I mean, not only is that going to help your team in the, in the running game, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to help you, you know, later on in the game when that safety sees you coming and he's not sure if the ball's coming to you or not. I, just, I, I think he needs, uh, he needs work there. So, uh, my, my player comparison to him was Kenny Britt, another guy that seems to have all the tools and just doesn't quite get over the hump. Um, I also threw out uh, as a as a player comparison James Lofton, kind of kind of those same type of abilities I think I saw in him. 
So uh, I don't know if you have any more to say there about DGB. I think we kind of peeled him apart pretty good, Bill. But uh, if, you, if you don't, go ahead and give us your number eight. Okay, yeah, no, I agree with you. He's got a lot of rough edges. He's going to need to learn to play with a consistent basis on a down-to-down basis. He's going to have to learn to be a pro is what he's going to have to do. My number eight, um, he actually just changed. Um, I've actually had Sammy Coates here. I did move Devin Funches. Um, I've got him as a tight end ranked as well as a, t- a wide receiver. But after his pro day, uh, when he ran his 40 in the 4-5 range, um, you know, he's kind of pushing right back into that same mold as some of the bigger receivers that have come out. Um, that even though they're not as dynamic like Calvin Benjamin, I think he ran a 4.6 or a 4.6.140 um, last year. You know, they've got the physical tools, 6.4.231. Um, I don't see Funches um, as, you know, inconsistent as Benjamin was. There was a, a lot better consistency from There was a lot better consistency um, with Calvin Benjamin on tape as Funches. seems to me like he pretty much, you know, didn't really run a whole lot of different patterns. Seemed to be like pretty much only one or two patterns, and particularly against Ohio State, where he had a really good game. Um, there's some ugly footage out there, and there's some really good footage, but I think that's one of the things that makes him such a question mark. I could see a, a team taking a chance on him uh, as a hybrid player, um, you know, that can do both roles. Um, so I think he does have a role in the NFL. That's why I've moved him back in. And again, I'll take a shot on someone like Funches over someone like Dorsett or Lockett or, you know, Alex. Aguilar is really growing on me because the more time passes, I know I'm, we'll have to see what happens after the draft. But at this point, I'm still taking Funches over, um, you know, Aguilar. But we'll see what happens. But, you know, again, Funches has a lot of limitations. Yeah, I, I think he might be a move tight end in the end. Uh, but he's a mismatch regardless in the slot. So I think that he's going to have a, a role in the NFL, and that's why I've got him in my top ten receivers for right now. And obviously he's not of this caliber. I don't have functions in my top ten, but I think, you know, if he was to go to Seattle and he could kind of replace that that in-between role that Jimmy Graham did there, I think that would be a, a nice spot for him to be successful, especially for your fantasy owners. And, um, geez, I think, you know, depending on the website you use, if he's listed as a tight end on your website, uh, he's certainly going to be worth the gamble. Obviously, your landing spot is a uh, is uh, going to be a big factor there, but I remember when uh, Marcus Colston came out, uh, Yahoo had him listed as a tight end that first year, and uh, he uh, made a lot of people really happy out of the tight end spot. So I don't think he's ever ever played tight end in the NFL, but for some reason yeah. Yahoo had him listed as a tight end. Uh, my number eight is uh, Rashid. Uh, excuse me, Rashad Green, out of Florida State. Our, our buddy Dan compared him to uh, Victor Cruz a few months back, and I think that really. Really hits hits it hard. Um, I really like that one. Um, I also want to throw out uh, Alan Hearns. He reminds me a lot of Hearns, the way he's able to, to gain some separation. I know Hearns is not necessarily a, a blue-chip receiver, but I, th- I, I see the same type of thing in him. Um, I think Green was such a great outlet for Winston. Obviously, Bill, you probably watched a lot of Florida State stuff, too. Uh, especially in 2014, when they when they were down in those first half of those games, Green just made some amazing plays. Um, and one thing, one thing I like Green as opposed to some of these other bigger guys is yards after the catch. That's like his specialty. He's always looking, even if it's two yards, he's always getting something after the catch. Um, uh, my biggest knock at him is he's not going to be. I don't think he's going to be strong out of the blocks in the NFL. I think he's going to need to just work on some upper body strength 
He's going to face some physical corners. He's going to face, you know, let's face it, the, the corners this year, you know, nowadays, nowadays, you know, the Richard Sherman types, they're, they're some of them are bigger and taller. So he's going to be facing some corners that are bigger, bigger than him and some safeties that are, you know, much heavier than him. So he's going to have to work on just some upper body strength, I think. What do you think about Green there, Bill? Uh, yeah, I've watched him for years. I love the kid. He's just a real gamer. Always comes through in the clutch. Made huge plays for Florida State on a consistent basis. But again, my, my philosophy with these wide receivers, I, I just I would rather swing and miss on a larger number one or two receiver than take someone that I'm pretty convinced is going to have a slot role in the NFL. Um, just because of the ceiling that's going to be, you know, the ceiling is pretty much capped once you're a slot receiver in the NFL, unless you're in a dynamic offense like maybe Green Bay. But um, I really like the kid. I think if it wasn't for his, if he was a couple inches bigger and had another an extra 10 or 15 pounds on him, I'd probably have him ranked in my top 10 as well. As he sits right now, he's one of those guys that's going to offer teams a lot of value in the later rounds. He might even be, you know, an earlier than expected pick just because of his refinement and his production. But, you know, again, on these receivers, you know, I, my philosophy with them is just I would rather swing and miss on a bigger receiver than to be limited or try to hit that home run because I still remember people taking Tavon Austin, and especially at DFW 48. There were people <laughs> taking him at 1-1 over Eddie Lacy and uh, Le'Veon Bell and all these other things. So, you know, for every one of those players that does hit, like T.Y. Hilton and A.B., there's going to be 20 of these Tavon Austins that have the, the size, you know, the speed, and the, they have all the, they check all the boxes except size, but they're just limited because of that size. So, um, I'm just really concerned that, you know, his ceiling is going to be capped. So I'm, I love Rashad Green. I think he's a great football player. I think he'll have a role in the NFL. But for my fantasy teams, I'm just going to pass on him just because, uh, you know, I don't see him being able to get into a roster on a start two or start three wide receiver team in the long run. You don't. So you don't agree with the uh, the Victor Cruz no, comparison? I know you're not a big comparison guy. <laughs> you know, I do not I do polished, but I don't think that uh, Victor Cruz, you know, even look at Victor Cruz's career, it's been, you know, a flash in the pan. He's probably going to have a lot of trouble recovering from his injury, you know, the patellar tear. So I honestly think that, you know, again, it's just my personal philosophy. A lot of these receivers are rated higher by everyone that I respect as far as opinions on value. May I sell they all hammer the guys that I have um, ranked ahead of these other ones. But again, it's not for the NFL. This is for fantasy. Um, And for my roster, I want a red zone target to be my receiver. I want my running backs to be goal line backs. I want to maximize points. And I just don't feel that a slot receiver, unless they're in a special situation, is going to be able to have the kind of numbers and production that's going to be a dependable and reliable starter for you. So in the third round, I would rather take a swing on a Conley or somebody that I feel could actually develop into a a receiver like that rather than take a more polished receiver who is absolutely a better NFL receiver. Uh, But as far as fantasy, the ceiling is so limited that it kind of like handicaps you. So I'm beating a dead horse, but that's just my dysfunction when it comes to gauging running backs and receivers. I'd rather swing and miss. Um, then take a player that I know has a, uh, a higher floor, uh, but just in the long run, just I don't see them contributing and wanting to start on your roster. That's the whole thing is to draft someone that you can eventually either develop into or start on a weekly basis. Um, and if I just don't see that ability, especially if they lack red zone skills or if they're just going to be a slot receiver, I'll just pass and you know take a chance on a more risky wide receiver. Okay, so... Moving forward, let's look at the class last year just one second. You're going to go Calvin Benjamin over Odell Beckham Jr. Knowing what you know now. 
I'm not knowing what I know now. I had um, actually Mike Mayock last year had Odell Beckham Jr. as his number one receiver. I had Beckham um, as my number one receiver going through the whole process early on, and then towards the end I started looking after the draft um, and looking at landing points. I actually moved Matthews ahead of Odell Beckham, um, and I also did take Calvin Benjamin pretty much every league. I ate a lot of crow because people were busting my chops on him. Um, you know, I, I am a Florida State fan, but I, I do not draft as a homer, um, but I was all over Calvin Benjamin and ate a lot of crow people telling me that he can't do this, can't do that, again, repeating yeah. all the pundits' lines that he's not going to be successful, and what does he do? He just comes out and plays lights out like he just pretty much knew he would. So, um, yeah, that class was really special. It's really hard. That was one of the most difficult classes to rank. Um, poor Sammy Watkins, who probably, and everybody agrees, was the best receiver in that draft, and I think still overall physical talent-wise is the best receiver in that draft, but he'll never get the production because, um, you know, Buffalo just seems to be, and I'm from Buffalo, so no disrespect to the, one of the greatest towns in America, but, you know, they just seem to have, you know, a really hard time developing quality wide receivers since uh, read so I'm just hoping that he can eventually come out but yeah no I would definitely I'm a size guy and Beckham was special Beckham I think was also closer to 200 pounds and six foot as well um, and again that he, he has the dual role playing that I like he can play on the outside as well um, so Beckham did that and it, when you watched his tape at LSU Beckham was amazing those I think his hands are 10 or 11 inches or something like that it was ridiculous it seemed like whenever he went up for a pass it was like he had magnets in his hands and he just like the, the ball just stuck right through his hands. So Beckham was a special player. That was a special class. Um, and a lot of these receivers, I don't think there's just the depth of it um, like in last year's class, but that was a, definitely a tough one to rate. And, again, in that draft, I greatly discounted um, smaller receivers in favor in favor of the larger receivers as well. Okay. Well, as as I was one of the guys talking about, I didn't think, as big a Florida State fan as I am, I didn't think Benjamin was going to be – that that good. He wasn't going to be a thousand yard receiver. Certainly, I didn't, I didn't see that happen. I thought he was more of a, a you know a red zone kind of kind of a throw up and get it kind of guy. Um, but that is also just another case where we're talking here pre draft landing spot is huge. I mean, who's their other wide receivers on that team? Joe Webb, Jericho Cotri. I mean, it's him and Greg Olson. They don't even have a running back on that team. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, he was just landing spot was so huge with some of these guys. Yeah, he was definitely put into the number one role, and that's one of the reasons I really liked him post-draft so much because it was so obvious that they really had no one on that team. I really believe he's a number one receiver. The knocks on him for drops are absolutely fair. Um, I read an interview with him recently where he said that he kind of mentally wore down as the season went on, and he's going to get better with those catches. You know, drops are drops. A lot of them are mental, and if you watch his game, a lot of them are. He's not afraid to go over the middle. The kid took more hits than a pinball in some of those games. It was ridiculous how he was bouncing <laughs> off people. And honestly, if Newton was even somewhat accurate as a passer, with that wingspan, I mean, the potential is there for him to improve. So, yeah, I was, I'm a real big um, Benjamin fan. Even though I was Florida State, I, I really had him ranked higher, um, and I still think he's a quality prospect. And they will get better at receiver. Um, and I'm sure they'll add in the draft, and I believe – um, you know, it'll be a situation where he stays their number one receiver, but, you know, he might not see as many targets um, as many people think going forward. He might be capped out near his max target range right now. Yeah, especially if they actually find another receiver to run with him. Um, and just before you give us your number nine, Bill, kind of getting off subject here, just so you know, so we can remain friends, I'm 6'3", 205. So um, <laughs> number, who's your number nine? 
Uh, number nine is actually a six-foot wide receiver, uh, Devin Smith what? from Ohio State. Yeah, <laughs> only 198, but again, there's a kid that can play on the outside as well. And honestly, this one is all on Mike Mayock. I keep saying his name. I don't want to seem like a groupie, but I guess I am. Uh, but Mike Mayock, when he said that um, – you know, I trust this guy's opinion. He's been right so many times on players, it's ridiculous. He said that he has um, good deep speed and he tracks the ball better than any player he's seen in years. So on those deep passes, over-the-shoulder passes, and he averaged almost 30 yards a catch playing for Ohio State last year. So, I mean, it's sick at the number of times, and it's really true. It stands out on tape. So I could really see him going into a role where he could play in the slot. He could play on the outside. Here's a smaller receiver that I'm actually willing to take a chance on because I see him as a dual threat on to be able to do both positions. And I just moved him ahead of Sammy Coates recently, and now Coates has actually fallen a little bit further. But I really like Devin Smith's refinement on his. His hands are his biggest liability, um, and I'm really concerned that, you know, he may end up in the slot, but I've seen him play on the outside, and I've seen what he can do tracking the deep ball, so I have hope that he has the chance to play at least somewhat on the outside, not just be limited to the slot. Okay. I didn't, you know, and maybe just because there's so many, I've only watched a little bit of film on, on Smith, and I and I didn't get him in my top ten, and maybe I need to sit down and watch a little bit more. So, And that was not a very good segue. I tell you my height, and then you give me a short wide receiver. But anyway. I can go to Coates if you want. <laughs> I opened up to you, Bill. Um, anyway, number nine, I have Sammy Coates, uh, Mike Mike, player comparison, and this is not necessarily like it's, it's weird, but it's it's Garcon and Sean Jackson. I don't, I know it's two receivers from the same team right now, but I really see both of those things in his game. Um, just chunk. I think I made up a word here. Chunk of five yards. It's big in, in big games with a bad knee. He played really good last year with a with a bad knee, and he just he has really quick feet. Um, it makes him hard makes him hard to get a good tackling angle on him because he, he's so good, good with his feet, um, and he has an excellent stiff arm. That thing I, I don't think I've ever seen a wide receiver in college use a stiff arm so much as this guy. But he does it and he does it well. Um, uh, the big block, uh, the knocks on him. Uh, blocking skills need some sharpening. He does he does do it, but I think he just needs some sharpening. Um, and if you're going to keep mentioning Mayock, one of the guys that I really like to trust is Eric Casillas, who's going to be on our, our pre-draft show next. One of his big philosophies with guys and injuries is you don't want a guy who's got an injury history of, with people under under the belt, because they have an injury history of people under the belt. And he has that knee, and that's that's always a concern with me, even with especially with wide receivers, is when you have that. Uh, already a knee history of a knee injury going going into the draft, and you, you're trying to make that step. You know, we talked about that last week with Gurley. You're making a big step here, and I, and I know he played well last year and seemed to be seemed to be past him. But with the history, I'm just a little bit concerned that something could happen again there with Coates. Who, um, any thoughts? All right, I mean, do you have Coates at number ten there, Bill? Or? I say Coach Wright is pretty much at nine and a half. He's another one of those guys that I would probably be inclined to when it came down to it, take a stab at over a slot receiver. My big concern with him is drops. Um, I'm a little bit worried about that. I hear what you're saying about the injuries, but guys like Dem Thomas, Julio Jones, they all came into the NFL with problems, and so did Adrian Peterson. So I understand, you know, the concerns with below-the-waist-type injuries, um, but 
you know, you got to look at it at the talent-by-talent basis. I don't think Coach is anywhere near as talented as those three players I just mentioned. Um, but, you know, a lot of times I'm willing, like Gurley, I'm willing to totally go with the vet, or the vet, the doctor's opinions that, you know, he looked real good on his last inspection and he looks like he's on recovery. So I'm willing to almost to turn a blind eye to it, realize that the recoveries from ACLs and other injuries are much more uh, routine these days. So I'm willing to look past that. But Sammy Coates, my biggest thing is his props. Um, I'm really worried. I think he had almost a 20% drop rate um, on his passes that were thrown his way. So, you know, we just talked about Calvin Benjamin and his drop rate. These guys can perform as red zone targets and can be role players for their teams. I don't think Coates is anywhere near as talented as Benjamin was. Um, But, you know, the drops are really concerning for me. But I do love a lot of his physical traits as well. Um, I think if he can round out his uh, his route running is really raw as well. Again, like all these guys, we can say that to about everyone. Every college prospect that ever comes out, you can easily say their route running is raw because they simply aren't asked to do what they do in the pros. So I like Coates. I think he's, you know, in that top ten. And, again, in a deep class, um, there's a lot of role players here. But will he develop into, you know, a top 25, top 30 receiver? I think he's going to need some really strong coaching, a great slot where he lands in the draft. and a lot of talent around him. So I don't think, like you said, in other players, that he'll make everyone around him better. I think he's going to need the perfect situation to, you know, live up to his draft status of being a top ten receiver. Yeah, yeah. Well, who do you got there for number ten? How is that uh, number ten? 10 Point five. Yes, yeah, it's not point five. My ten is a conglomeration of like seven different slot receivers. At the top of the list is Nelson Aguilar. I, the more I watch on this kid again, six foot one ninety eight, you know, he's not a huge guy, but again, just a fantastic route runner, soft, natural hands. You know, talk about effort. This kid never doesn't know the definition of less than a hundred percent. Um, so he's got a great feel for getting open against zone defenses, um, you know, and I think he's also going to uh, bail out a lot of quarterbacks in situations. I think he's a really smart, savvy player, knows to come back to the ball, can find the soft spot in zones, and can get himself open when he needs to. So, you know, will he be uh, able to go ahead and perform as anything other than a slot receiver? You know, that's the big question. But I think he'd be a player that when you get to this point, he's somebody that I'd start to, you know, seriously consider. Um, I just don't see him being an AB or Hilton type. I, I just don't see it. Okay. Um, well, my number 10 is a guy that I am absolutely ecstatic about. And I'm not I'm not a sizeist like you, Bill, or a heightist. Uh, <laughs> eight, Eric, uh, excuse me, Eric Hardy out of ECU, um, Eastern Carolina Pirates. Four five four five six forty five. Whatever. That's I mean it's it's not sub four five, but that's still fast. And if you see this guy in games, he, and maybe he just doesn't test well. I don't know. But if you see this guy in games, he certainly has speed. It's maybe not top end elite speed, but he knows how to use it, and he just he just does it so well. He plays with speed and a strong motor, broad shoulders. The guy's, I think he's, what is he, 5'10", 192, but he's, gosh, he's got broad shoulders, uh, built like a running back, even though he's, you know, right at 200 pounds, catches everything. Over, I think he had over 100 receptions last year. Uh, solid hit movement, great, great balance, um, and I think he's the reason his quarterback's even being considered as a late-round pick in Shane Carden. Um some of the knocks I have on him. Uh, I think he's a little too patient at times with the ball. I've seen that in the return game, which is, you know, something he's probably going to have to do to stay to stay on the NFL field. I know that doesn't affect us fantasy-wise, but I think he's a little too patient when he could just really be hitting the holes. Um, um, and, he, and he tends to take um, 
some bad some bad turns with the ball. And by that I mean I, I feel like he needs to have a little bit better vision. I feel like he turns into you know into where into like zone coverage where he could turn out and maybe use his use his you know deceptive speed we'll say in uh in into open space. I feel like he's maybe a little bit challenges maybe a little bit too much when he certainly has the the capabilities in the in the room to bust things outside. Uh, but that's that's what I have with Eric Hardy for number ten. Um, my, my my comparisons to him are Santana Moss and uh, Cliff Branch, couple guys that are really really fast guys, but smaller guys that certainly did things certainly well. I think I think Santana Moss going back a few years is is really an interesting kind of over under should we say with these smaller receivers, Bill. I think you know he could some some of these guys. I think that's maybe a just a chance that their their ceiling is the Santana Moss, a guy that was really effective for three or four years and then just kind of slowly slowly withered away there in Washington. I mean, I'd certainly rather be Santana Moss than, a, than like another small guy out of Florida, like a Jacques Clitz Green, who everybody thought was just going to be this electrifying player in the NFL and did absolutely nothing. Uh, yep. So are we at your are we at your number ten or do you have? Some guys that we really didn't touch on really much. You know, I like Justin Hardy as well. I think he's got a role to play in the NFL. Um, but guys like Trey McBride, a smaller school player uh, from William Mary, and then we didn't talk about Philip Dorsett. Um, you know, Dorsett honestly is an explosive big play waiting to happen. I, you know, I could seriously see him being a, a major wide receiver despite the size. I'm not sure if he did. I'm pretty sure he worked out or it was Aguilar. One of the two just recently worked out for Philly. Uh, but I'm really keen on who Philly signs. I think that they're going to go for a speed receiver. I think that, you know, somebody's going to vault up in our rankings um, because of the opportunity that they're going to get. I just think Dorsett, you know, again, being the size guy that I am, I just I think that Dorsett has so much potential. He's so dangerous with the ball in his hand. Um, and if he has a little luck on draft day, he could really vault. But Tyler Lockett, we already touched on him. And Trey McBride as well, who doesn't really get a lot of love. He's a good all-around receiver as well. It's a really good draft class. Lots of depth. I think it'll be, you know, even in the third and fourth rounds of these dynasty drafts, there's going to be a lot of players that are good, solid prospects that you'll want to hang on to for a year or two, um, especially with the running backs that are available this year too. It's really an overall another quality draft. Um, it's definitely going to be one for make your drafts interesting in the later rounds for dynasty purposes. Uh, a couple, a couple other guys that I like late. You know, we're talking, you know, third to maybe even sixth round. Um, Josh Harper, six one, one ninety one, out of Fresno State, um, did a lot, a lot, a lot, obviously a lot of good things uh, with as the third receiver there for Derek Carr a couple of years ago. Um, uh, just not, you know, could use a little bit more meat on his bones, but I think he he could potentially be a, a nice a nice complement to a. To a system there um, had had some pretty good production even without uh, even without Carr there last year you know ninety receptions over a thousand yards over a thousand yards with Carr too um, touchdowns took a little bit of a dip there but I like him uh, but the guy I really love is maybe like a he's maybe slipping down to, or getting up to like a fourth a fourth round talent and that's Vince Mayall out of Washington State six two Bill he's six two two twenty that is perfect NFL size as far as I'm concerned. Um, not not too big, so he's going to get his head ripped off, but he's certainly going to have a nice head of steam. This guy, like I said before, covers kickoffs. He hit like a gunner, and he's down there making tackles. I mean, there's no doubt about this guy guy's aggression level, and he, he's got good hands. He's got 
you know, not not great hands, but he's got very good hands. Um, comes from a passing offense. Uh, maybe not the ideal scheme at, for for an NFL for the, to make the NFL jump, but he certainly has done a lot of good things there for Washington State. Didn't put up necessarily uh, gaudy numbers, but uh, I really really like him. Like I said, Bill, and he's six two, so you can't you can't knock him down. For that. <laughs> I have looked at me. I like him. He does offer a couple things. I have a couple knocks on him, but I also have a late round, late, late round sleeper for you. His name is Darren Waller from Georgia Tech. Did a piece on him at DSW as well. If you get a chance, check that out. The guy is six foot six, two hundred and thirty eight pounds, ran a 4.46.40 at the Combine. Um, he's got a 37-inch vertical. Played for Georgia Tech. You know, obviously the pedigree's there. Not sure exactly what they feed them there, but, you know, guys like them, Thomas, have done pretty well in the NFL coming out of that program and Calvin Johnson, but um, I say he's probably a little bit more of, um, oh, God, who's the Jets receiver I'm thinking of? He's not quite as polished. We'll just say he's obviously nowhere near the same caliber as those wide receivers. But if you look at Waller on film, he's got the size. We talked about Colston before. This is my Marquez Colston uh, for this draft class. This is a guy that's probably going to be drafted really late in the draft. Didn't have the production because of Georgia Tech was the number one running offense in the, in the college football ranks. So he does not have the production. But if you read my article, if you go through um, his film, there's not much of it. But Waller does show and check the boxes. Um, he's got a lot of to offer an NFL team as a red zone threat. He has deep speed. He's a decent route runner. Um, he's an effortless strider. He really does make some incredible acrobatic catches, great sideline awareness as well. Um, so I really think that Darren Waller is somebody that could be like a Marquez Colston taken in the sixth round by an NFL team um, that could really surprise a lot of people. I mean, 6'6", 240, and he's running a 4'4", Um So for me, that's just just freak athletic talent. That'll translate on the field, and he's going to get open. Just needs a little bit of luck on the draft day with steam that'll you know get the most out of his talents. Love to see him go to the Saints. I think that would be interesting for sure, but we'll have to see where he goes. But Darren Waller from Georgia Tech, keep him in the back of your mind as your last pick in the fourth or fifth round in your dynasty draft. He's getting no love from anyone, but I just somebody that I was going through and just caught my eye. Again, always looking for size freaks, and he just checks a lot of the boxes for me. And what six foot, you know, five nine, five ten DB in the NFL wants to tackle somebody six six two forty. <laughs> His short uh, drills are really good, too. His three-cone drill was 707, which is really, you know, just a little bit above the average. And, you know, his 60-yard shuttle was under 11 and a half seconds as well. So, you know, he's got some burst, and he's, he's definitely going to be a player that you, people are going to have to keep an eye on in the NFL because I think he's really below the radar on a deep draft. And if he lands in the right scheme, he could be someone that's worth keeping an eye on. We'll have to see where he goes on in the draft. Uh, well, and, you know, some of the knocks we've had with some of these more uh, prima donna-ish receivers, I will say, is is the blocking. And I've seen him throw some blocks. I've also seen his teammate, uh, DeAndre Smelter, throw some nice blocks down the field. They need to understand how to block down the field coming from that run oh, yeah. offense. Georgia Tech, and, uh, knows, yeah. they're, they're known for their blocking for their wide receivers, Georgia Tech is. So he's a really good blocker. In fact, there's a couple of um, in the clips that I broke down on it in the article that I mentioned. I actually go over his blocking, and he's really an advanced blocker. I think he likes it. He has that nasty streak that you look for, I think. 
one more one more point on Mayo. I didn't. I said he didn't have elite numbers. He did have 106 receptions for 1,400 yards last year. But that's. I mean, this is that's from a Washington State offense, and he did. He only had 42 receptions the year before. So he doesn't have a lot under his belt there. Uh, but this Washington State offense still has the ball like 94% of the time. And I mean, it's ridiculous <laughs> the amount they throw the ball. So, like I think Dan said, you know, college college stats can certainly be deceiving given the given the scheme. I don't think he's a guy that's going to come on and have 100 receptions here as a rookie in the NFL. But I think he could certainly be a very very effective player moving forward. I kind of like kind of like a Terrence Williams down there in Dallas. Got the, got the great size and knows knows how to use it. Certainly, um, just just you mentioned a couple of things. You have a few knocks on mail. What 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 do you not like about it? I'm I really to didn't like his playing about speed. I, I didn't like the way he his playing speed. I didn't see a lot of consistency um, in his game. But again, I, there's so many receivers. I'd have to say I probably only watched maybe one, maybe two game tapes on him. So he's somebody that after the show I'll definitely go back and take another look at. Um, especially depending on his landing spot in the draft. But I had him much higher, in fact, in my early dynasty drafts that I was doing. I don't know how many drafts we've already done this year, but, um, you know, maybe a month ago or so. I was taking mail on a regular basis in the fourth round. So I always, you know, I liked him, but as we started looking in more depth at these other receivers, I just kept moving him down and moving him down. But, you know, I can certainly see a lot of the points you're saying. He's going to be a chain mover in the NFL, a great red zone target. So, again, if he lands in the right scheme with the right opportunity, you know, he could produce and surprise some people for sure. Uh, me and Bill also had the pleasure to take part in uh, what somebody's calling the Top Gun, the DFW Top Gun draft, where we did a we did a, just kind of a four round dynasty offense only draft, and we all we all picked our player and, and wrote wrote a little blurb about him that uh, that debuted on the site yesterday with round one. You're going to see the rest of those coming this week sometime. Yeah, round, built round two is today, round three is Thursday, and round four is Friday. So we'll have that whole draft uh, unveiled uh, by Friday as the fourth round. So, yeah, that will be running at the second article at 12 noon at Wednesday. I'm sorry, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Okay, and I and I took mail in that draft. So if you want to want to, want to see some more uh, – more ready of, of, of uh, comments about him. That's you can certainly read that there. So that's a phenomenal read. If you didn't if you didn't get a chance to see that yesterday, certainly go back and and look at that. Great insight. Um, you know, some of it was written on the fly, but some of it was nicely edited down and uh, and really 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 nice write up. Bill himself had a great write up about David Johnson that made made a whole lot of sense to me. I already liked the guy anyway, but a whole lot of sense to me. So. Um, I think that's all we got for us, uh, for you there, unless you had some closing thoughts there, Bill. I think we pretty much covered it all. It's going to be a great draft. I think, again, we'll hit this show after the draft, and we'll do a whole other rollout. We'll probably break it down by position, maybe combine quarterbacks and tight ends in one, but go over the running backs and receivers like we did in depth in this one because uh, I think a lot of this is going to change after draft day. I think there's going to be some interesting uh, receivers that might have been below the radar around that fringe 10 to 12 to 15 range that are going to vault up. So really looking forward to the draft. Can't wait. And, um, it's going to be quite interesting to see how these players fall out after the draft. Yes, most most definitely. Couldn't have said it better there. We have uh, obviously a lot to be determined with landing position, but uh, this has been the part two of the rookie, excuse me, the 2015 DFW rookie extravaganza, the wide receiver showcase. Uh, hope you had enjoyed it, and we, we went a little longer than we wanted to, but that's all right. Uh, we needed to give you our solid information and who, who we're excited about. Uh, 
thank you for listening, and uh, we will hopefully you can join us on the Dynasty Pulse tomorrow as we hit the AFC East. Uh, thank you, Bill, for joining me. Had a lot of fun, and uh, look forward to doing this post draft again. Thanks, Josh. Look forward to doing it again after the draft. Yep. I'm Joshua Johnson. He's Sir William Servey. Have a great day.